Thank you for joining the City Growth Church Podcast. Here at CGC, we're a community of imperfect people living in apprenticeship to a perfect God. If you enjoyed today's message, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a brief review to help make this resource more available to your loved ones. God bless you, and let's start tracking together starting with today's message. Uh, through verses 26, when you are there... Uh, I do like participation, right? Like, I like everybody to feel involved. So once you're there, just give me an amen. Amen. Right? See, that feels good, right? You, you got to talk in church. You're not even the speaker, and you got to speak, right? So who, who in here knows, like, who knows that, that God, when we say God, I mean uh, Yahweh, like God the Father, who knows that God does not want your second best? It gets a little more quiet when I say something like, I told y'all, like, did I not, before we get too deep into this today, did I or did I not warn everyone where we were going to be going, right? Like the warning was there. So in, in this passage, uh, we, we see what looks to be like God is like Jesus. God, when we say God this way, we're, we're speaking of Jesus or Yeshua, right? Or Yahweh saves. When we see Jesus speaking here, it appears that he is speaking purely about anger, right? About like, oh, don't murder people. And whether you are a believer or a follower of God the Father, whether you are a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ, I think that's a pretty common thing to say, like, people just understand. You don't kill other people. So things that are not as clear, so back in the day, here's where you like, you split your morality Back in the day, there was this thing called stealing cable. Anybody remember those days? Bump, bump, bump. Or if you were like, everybody knew a guy, right? You could get satellite and you get them to bring out the equipment and stuff. And you, you knew the guy that had like the card, right? And that card, what did it do? All the channels, okay? All the channels. Was, 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 were you the guy? Paul was the guy, okay? <laughs> Paul was the guy. Everybody's getting a laugh here. Paul literally was the guy. Uh, so it, it appears on the surface that, that Jesus is speaking merely about anger. But what Jesus is speaking about is literally that, is that God does not want your second best. We'll, we'll dig a little deeper into this and we'll, we'll kind of explore this, but I'm going to pray for us really quick. And then we're going to dive right into the, to the scripture. Dear Heavenly Father God, we just, we just are thankful this morning, Lord, that we get to worship with you. That we get to just celebrate your name, God. That so often we get, we get lost in the formalities, Lord. We get lost in the, in the power and the repetition, God. But we hope that today, Lord, we find true rhythm in you, Lord. That we would change our, our, our breathing cycle, Lord. We would change our thinking cycle and focus everything that we are and everything that we have onto you. We just pray that you'll use this passage of Scripture to further fulfill our minds into your will and your way. In your name we pray. Amen. So, really quick, when Jessica read it, who kind of giggled when you saw that word raka, right? Anybody giggle a little bit? If you didn't giggle, it's probably just that you were like, I think there might be a typo in there. This is supposed to say something else. But raka is really supposed to be there. All right, we're, now we're going, to tell on, we're going to tell on people again. We'll see how Southern you are. Y'all, y'all ready for this? Whose grandmother, great-grandmother, aunt, great-aunt, right? Whoever told you, don't you call nobody a fool? Anybody else ever get that one? Like, okay, y'all, my, my Meemaw, 
which was my great grandma, pretty much everything everything was fair game at me, mom and papa's, right? But calling somebody a fool. And this right here is exactly why. So when you call someone a fool, did, do you realize you were casting judgment on them? Not just saying like, oh, you know, I, I think he could sing better or she could uh, dress better, right? You're casting actual judgment, eternal judgment on that person when you call them a fool. And I don't think you have to be really uh, well-versed in Scripture to know that you are not, in fact, supposed to cast judgment on people. So now that we've kind of put the, the outlying things into the, the picture here, now I want to take you into the passage of Scripture. So again, it says, You have heard that it was said to people long ago. Notice the first. How do we start here? You have heard it said. Let me blow y'all's minds. So I've told y'all repeatedly now that the Sermon on the Mount, what is this? This is Jesus' greatest hits. Like this is that one journey album that you buy at Walmart for $5 that has the bangers on it, right? And nobody has CD players anymore. So it's that one journey album that you buy so that you can illegally download it onto your computer, right? And put it into your device in MP3 format so that you can listen to in your car, okay? So we're all together here. and We all know that we're sinners in need of a Savior together. Uh, so you have heard that it was said to the people long ago. The Sermon on the Mount is literally Jesus rehashing the Ten Commandments. When you think of it that way, so when you're reading uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you should in essence have your, your finger on your other hand holding place on Exodus 20. Right? So people, people will also try and use this this passage of Scripture, the, the, the passage we literally had last week, and try and say, well, they try and justify. They'll use that one to, to justify. Right? Jesus, he didn't abolish, but he fulfilled, so like I can do what I want. No, you have completely misrepresented what the Scriptures say. You have, as Missy Elliott said, you have flipped it, twisted it, and reversed it. Right? Y'all y'all ready? I told y'all, this week is going to be a little, it's going to be a little fancy. Uh so if you have heard it said to the people long ago, what did we talk about last week? The law and the prophets. So this is Jesus now in a sermon that he is rehashing the Ten Commandments. This is Jesus rehashing what he just said. Remember those Ten Commandments. Remember that law. Remember those prophets that we talked about. It's very important. So now that he has told us in, in the previous uh, verse of Scripture, 17 through 20, the law is important. Right Now he's saying... This is why the law is important. So everybody with us, we're all together now. He said, you have heard it said long to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Everybody's like, amen, pastor. I know that one, right? Like, I know that one. I don't kill people. So I'm going to heaven. If that's your, like, if that's your, how you, you weigh the scales, oh, this is going to get messy, right? And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Everybody's like, okay, I got that. I cannot do that. Verse 22, Jesus is about to, he, he, what does your Bible say? It'll say something in the nature, the first three or four words here. But I tell you, or so I tell you. Uh-oh. There's a but. And there's a big but right here. Everybody's like, I don't murder people. But I tell you that anyone who is angry, 
Some translations will take it a, a step further. Some of the ancient manuscripts will say without cause, right? So if you're angry without cause, here's another place where people will try and say that the, the scriptures contradict itself. It says not to be angry. You say Jesus is perfect. What about when he chased those money changers? It's called righteous anger. You know why he was mad? Because people took their eyes off of Jesus. Jesus is mad because people took their eyes off of his father God. Everybody got that? So Jesus was in fact acting out righteous anger for the Father. Jesus did not sin. Have you ever seen someone like at an intersection? We're about to tell on ourselves a little bit again. Right? And you see that, that homeless person at the intersection. And you have you anybody ever heard someone yell or scream or just be hateful to that person at the intersection? And if you have, in that moment, guess what? You experienced righteous anger. And if you didn't, you were probably the person yelling. Not trying to be funny here. Just putting it out there. We are supposed to hurt for one another. We are supposed to feel pain for one another. We are supposed to love one another as Christ first loved us. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, so we have but, now we got again. So this is Jesus saying, but, but, okay? But, but, let me take this one step further. Again, let me just drill the point just a bit further. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka. Your, your translation might not have this word raka, and that's perfectly fine. Yours will, will say something like to the nature of, uh, uh, of, of not judging people or not, uh, not, not calling them a fool or, or speaking of someone who is absent-minded, calling somebody absent-minded. Uh, this word raka that we see here, y'all ready for this? This means to call someone worthless. Literally means to tell someone your life has no purpose. So if you were to tell someone Raka, R-A-C-A, it's not a typo, it's a real word. This is Aramaic. Would have been one of the three languages that were being spoken at the time. Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, right, in this area. So if you tell a brother or sister Raka, you are, you are worthless. That is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, and all of our great grandmas right now are like, I told y'all it was in there, Right? I told y'all, I told y'all I was in there. You fool, you'll be in danger of the fire of hell. Or Sheol, Hades, right? This place wasn't created for us. On the contrary, we were made to live in an, in a, an idea of paradise, which is heaven, with God the Father. This here, this earth, right? This was made to be a place for us to, the, the word uh, is abide. For us to abide with God the Father. Meaning to, to literally live entwined, in, entangled with God the Father. What's sad now is by our doing, us, y'all, me, we, for some of us, this is as close to hell as you'll ever have to experience. That's good news. 
But for other people, this, this side of eternity is the best that they'll ever experience. Whether you believe in Jesus now as your Lord and Savior, or you make it to the end of times, at some point in time you will acknowledge that He was exactly who He said He was. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Y'all, I can't wait. It's going to get good. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, right? So if you're trying to make yourself righteous with God, because remember, we were still on the old covenant right here. Jesus hasn't sealed the new covenant. So in the old covenant, how do we make ourselves right with God? Some goat, some pig, some pigeon, some animals got to die for us. All right? So he's saying if you're at the altar, literally trying to make yourself right with God, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, meaning you've done somebody wrong, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Why does it say leave your gift in front of the altar? Because all too often, look, check this, guys. We were here to make ourselves righteous or right standing with God. Right? So we'll, we'll go and we'll make ourselves right with that person. And then we're like, I was going to take this gift. Right? But hey, you know, it's good now. It's good now. I don't, even, I don't even need to give God this. Right? I've made myself right with that person. I don't even need, I don't need to make this, all, this sacrifice anymore. Can I tell you guys something? I'm going to tell you anyway. So just like shake your head yes and make me feel good about it. Every single person in this room, whether you know it or not, whether you physically uh, will see it this way, every single person in this room tithes. Did you know that? Follow this. The tithe is this 10%. Is everybody, y'all familiar with this terminology? But even further, y'all, we all ready for this? It is your first fruits. Who here has money? Whether it's a dollar or it's a million dollars, who has some money? And when you get that money, we're all adults here, right? So what is the first thing that happens when you get that money? you got to give it to somebody else, right? You literally have to, to spend your money to make money. What you do with that first 10%, that's the tithe of your life. Whether that's your mortgage, whether that's your car, whether that's Netflix, whether that's Hulu. I'm, yeah, I'm coming back for those guys again. Some of y'all, whether that's for like your little game obsessions on Facebook. Yeah, I know you guys. What you do with that first 10%, that's where your heart is. So what I've noticed with, with Jessica and myself, like, I get paid, I think, on Thursdays, and I don't handle money, as you guys can tell. If I handled the money, I would just literally go buy puppies. Okay? So we're all together here. Don't think that I'm saying I'm better than you. Because if I was in control, right, it would be bad. <laughs> I probably would, yeah, it would just be bad. Let's just leave it there, right? But Jessica, what she'll do a lot of the times is that Thursday or that Friday that we get paid, the first thing she does before anything else happens, that first 10%, guess where it goes? The tithe. Because what happens to us is we say, oh, you know, I'll wait till Sunday. I, I, I slip it into plate, right? But what has happened at that point in time is that everything else that wants to have control of your life 
has taken control of your life. And this ain't a money lesson. This is about heart condition, y'all. This ain't me being my little Dave Ramsey self up here, okay? I told y'all, if I had the control of the money, it'd be puppies. Puppies and books and candy for kids. Not in a creepy way, okay? <laughs> but what you do with your money, because that's what you work for, right? How do, how do we establish and how do we think of power? Money, right? Who has the most power? The person with the most money because they can do the most things. I told y'all, it's going to get tense today. But we've got to examine our hearts. Because like I said, everybody in the room, whether you are giving your money to God or whether you're giving no money to God, everybody in here is tithing to something. There is a master in everyone's life. Right? Who we serve, what we invest in, that, that shows the representation of who our master is. So the, the scripture goes on, it says, uh, verse 24, Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Don't try and come make yourself right to God and, and just owe everybody money, right? Be doing everybody wrong. Go and pretend to be in your day-to-day -day life something that you're not and then come back to the altar and go, God, I love you so much. God's like, that's great, but your heart says otherwise. Your actions say otherwise. Your finances say otherwise, right? Your relationship with your parents say otherwise. Your relationship with your children say otherwise. Your relationship with your spouse says otherwise. Don't come here... I want you to come and make yourself right with me. But don't come here to me until the rest of your life resembles the act that you're coming here to portray. Verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge Judges are one of two things, y'all. I, I hate to say it, and if you know a judge, hug them. Because judges are either overly lenient or overly strict. Power has either hurt them or helped them. Okay? So what, what Jesus is saying is that people will be people. So before you go and put your fate, whether before you go and put your finances, before you go and put your heart in the hands of other people... Right? Now y'all see where this is going. Determine your actions. Determine your heart. Put your heart condition in me. All of us, from, from birth, we all have a terminal illness. Did y'all know that? You have a 100% chance of not making it out alive. That's kind of like, you know, I know that's kind of morbid to talk about, but none of us here are going to make it onto the other side of this thing alive. We're all going to die. Some of us will die sooner than we would like. Some of us will be really old and grumpy, right? Y'all know somebody. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, 
and the officer will throw you in prison. Because we all answer to somebody. Allow yourself to answer to me, right? Which will make you then want to be right with other people, right? This avoids this whole chain reaction of, of, of literally landing into a prison. And this prison that it's talking about is, is, is a metaphorical prison that can be anything in your life. Before you fall victim of, of addiction, before you fall victim to your anger, before you fall victim to lust, right? Before you fall into these things, turn your heart, your attention, your focus to me. Verse 26, truly I tell you, you will not get out. Y'all think he's just talking about a jail cell? You will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So you will pay the debt for every, every debtor you accrue, you accrue. Everything at some point in time will have to be paid. Nobody will get out of this thing alive. Uh, anybody familiar with the IRS? So what happens if you owe the IRS a bunch of money and you die? What happens? Somebody's still got to pay it. Y'all, I remember this with my, my Mima when she passed away. Direct TV. Right? That last $69 before it got canceled for that last month. I know you died, but somebody has to pay your debt. We won't hold them to the rest of the contract, but that last month, yeah, you still going to have to pay that thing. None of us make it out alive. None of us make it out without debt. Who or what is your life committed and devoted to? Your money tells you who your life is committed to. Your time, your free time, right, tells you who your life is committed to. How you wake up in the mornings tell you who your life is committed to. I'm not going to lie, that coffee was very hot. That, that burnt me a bit, guys. I needed to, to wet the whistle, but uh, now I burnt the tongue with that Dawn dish soap or the Irish Springs. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be kind of backwards, but uh, basically there's this, this introduction I want to peek at with you again for a second. Today's passage of Scripture introduces us to Jesus' view on the Ten Commandments as appointed by God. Today we examine the sixth commandment, which is, y'all guessed it, don't murder, right? But in doing so, we also uh, will look at a little bit of the ninth commandment, which is not to bear false witness. You can't say that you believe this. You can't say that I'm a follower of, of that, and then your life not resemble it. If you do that, you have literally broken the ninth commandment. You have bore a false witness. You have, uh, in, their, in their Hebrew or their, uh, their Jewish words, you have literally you've prayed empty prayers. You've said empty words. That was, a, that was a, a sin punishable of death. To say that you were going to do something and not do it, that was a death sentence back then. Can you imagine? How many times, y'all, have you promised somebody, oh, I'll do this for you, I'll do that for you? Right? You get busy, right? I, there's that word I hate. Who makes us busy? 
If you say that you're going to do it and you don't do it, guess what would have happened in, in, in ancient Israel? Off with the whole head. Right? You would have died. Because a word, a man was his word. His word was his bond. A woman was her word. Her word was her bond. That's why God and Jesus, through Jesus, and we'll see this later in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, He says not to make new covenants. Don't make, don't make those commitments with people. If you can't keep it, don't tell somebody you're going to do something. Right? It's the same with your debtors, right? Don't tell somebody, I'm going to pay you back if you don't have the means to pay them back. Don't borrow the money, right? You're like, man, I didn't know you could go from anger to, to finances. This is weird. Because we're not talking about anger. We're not talking about finances. Remember, guys, we're talking about a heart condition. So everything that we, we're, we're looking through, uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, remember there are three things... I want to see if anybody remembers, without looking at the sign and cheating, how do you practice the way? One, be what? With, Caleb. Yes, that's right. Be with Jesus. Be what? Be like Jesus. Oh, here's the one that gets people. This is the real stumbling block. Because you can talk a big talk, but not walk any kind of walk to do what Jesus did. Do you know that the, whether you have another five years, whether you have another 500 years, I don't know, you're like cyborgs might be a thing in the future. No matter how long you live, your walk, right, your apprenticeship to Jesus really can be looked at through those three lenses. Be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. <clears throat> so how do we be more how, how do we be with Jesus? We're going to look at this through the lens of, uh, of verse 21. To be with Jesus, right, is to receive the invitation into the family of believers. In other words, to have salvation. You can be with Jesus literally by entering that commitment to Him. You give your life. You give your heart. You give your time. You give your finances. You give every bit of your abilities to Him Put him in the captain's seat. Look at me, guys. Captain Phillips style. He is the captain now. Until you do that, you have not surrendered all. Anybody remember that hymn? I surrender all. All to him I owe. Right? You, you know that. Uh, there's a very important word that has three letters. What was it? All. What does all mean? Webster's Dictionary would define all as everything. Okay? Not really. It would probably overanalyze it. But, but all is everything. To give your everything. <clears throat> so to be with Jesus, uh, I'm going to show you really quick, uh, is to understand that the law is there to keep our focus on God. Exodus 20, 2 through 6. Uh, it'll pop up on your screen for you in a second. Exodus 20, 2 through 6. These are the Ten Commandments. Everybody familiar with the Ten Commandments? Yes, okay. I am the Lord your God... Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery? Slavery, verse three. You shall. Here's number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse four. You shall not make for yourself an image or an idol. I don't want to hear about that. In the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below. 
or in the or in the or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Anybody like sports? I always take it here. What is your sports team's mascot? Some sort of graven image, right? By your liking of sports, Tara did not like that. She's like, bro, I didn't like that one. Don't tell me that, right? If it, whether it here in the, in, the, in South Carolina, whether it's a tiger or whether it is a chicken, you have literally made your life, right? You have made your life to, sacrifice, to, to worship a graven image. Verse 6, or verse 5 rather. Corey had it, I didn't. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Y'all see that? God don't like that. Anybody ever heard somebody say, God don't like ugly? I don't like that. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. This is Yahweh speaking, by the way. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Verse 6, these are generational curses. People are like, oh, you know, I know I do this bad thing, but, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody else. It will literally can start the cycle of a generational curse. I'm not even going to... Y'all know it, right? You've lived it. Most of us here in this room probably have broken or are still in the chains of a generational curse. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. How do we be more like Jesus? We're going to look at that through the, the lens of verse uh, 22. I'm not going to reread the verses. I'm just telling you guys how we're looking at things, right? Because I have limited time. Y'all know I would go back and read these things every time. I'm trying to get better at, at staying on track and staying on time, okay? That's, that's like a big thing for me. To be more like Jesus is to understand that by placing judgment... Oh, y'all. Oh, y'all. You can just stop right there. Just just stop, Caleb. Okay? Don't, don't, don't read it. I'm going to read it. Understand... That by placing judgment on others, you have placed yourself oh, at the authority seat of Yahweh. In other words, by judging others, you're saying that you are God. I don't know about y'all, but I ain't God. So maybe I need to stop judging other people. Uh, give me Ephesians 4.32 real quick, Corey. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Does that say, to, like, to good people? Oh, there's that all thing again, right? This, this is understood that that means to who? Everybody. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Everybody. Forgiving each other. Everybody. You don't know what they've done to me. If God can forgive them, if Jesus Christ can forgive them, I don't care what they've done to you. We don't like to hear that. Just as in Christ God forgave you. How can we do what Jesus did? I'm telling y'all, I'm doing good on time today. This is a whole thing. This is crazy, y'all. I can just go and ruin it right here, right? Let's just go off on a tangent. No, y'all like, don't do that. I'm watching the clock like, you are making good time, Caleb. I love this. Right? You're preaching good. I'm only preaching good because I'm going to get you out of here on time. Oh. Y'all like, is he, did he sneak another little snot? Yes, I did. Do what Jesus did. Jesus and his redemptive seat 
of authority, you know, the one that in the in being like Jesus that you can't take. We're going to take that one step further. Jesus in his redemptive seat of authority, the one that you try and take by judging other people, I ain't going to turn out we're good for you. All right. Jesus in his redemptive seat of authority on the cross, because when we think of, of, of like this throne, what do we think of? Like jewels and diamonds and crazy stuff, right? Jesus' throne was literally a cross where he was beaten, he was bloody, because it's an upside down kingdom that he, that he rules. Jesus and his redemptive seat of authority on the cross perfectly display to us what it means to forgive. And he did this on his way to the judgment seat. Give me 1 John 4, 19 real quick. We love because he first loved us. So when you say, I can't forgive them, they've done this. He loved first. Well, they'll never forgive me. You don't know what I did to them. You don't know until you try. Forgiveness, guys, unlocks a lot of doors. Right? So how do we actually live this out? I did it out of order on your slides. I'm sorry about that, Corey. I'm getting there, y'all. One day I'm going to be like good at stuff. It'll say like stumbling block or live it out. Something of that nature. It, it, I think it come before, uh, there we go. Live it out, all right? How do we actually live this out? Do not let your life serve as a stumbling block to someone else. Oh, who knew that? Who knew that you could be a stumbling block to somebody else? exemplify, in other words, live out the life that you claim. It's the same reason why he said, on your way to the altar, right, when you realize, oh man, I did them wrong. Let me go make this right. Leave the, leave the gift, because it's your first fruit, right? It is the, it's the best that you have. Leave it there. And go make yourself right. That way you actually live out the life that you're claiming. There should be two verses of Scripture real quick after it. Oh, I'm telling y'all. Look at this. We're almost done. It's crazy. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Today was really about forgiveness. You see that? It, 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 was, it was hidden in this like, don't murder people uh, cloak. But today was really about your heart, forgiving other people. That way you can actually deserve the forgiveness that, that, that he's given to you. You'll never earn it. You don't deserve it, right? But that doesn't keep you from trying Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. I should have one last verse of Scripture from Romans. <clears throat> so Romans 14, 13. This is Paul the Apostle speaking. He says, Therefore, 
Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. If you not forgiving is a stumbling block to them. If you not asking for forgiveness is a stumbling block to them. This is a sin of omission. This means that you are doing something wrong without even thinking about it. This sin of omission was a result of a sin of commission, which was you not forgiving. You love because he first loved you. He loves, right? Not because you earned it, not because you deserve it. Because love is who he is. So are you living out what you claim, guys? I've been really debating uh, whether I'm going to drop this last part uh, on the live stream or whether I was going to whether I was going to cut everything and just talk in-house with our people. And I think I've decided. I'm, I'm going to share this with, with everybody. So Jessica and I, Friday, it was Friday, right, Mom? Friday, we go to uh, Asheville because Jessica will tell you that she's a mountain person, right? Y'all have heard her say this before. Uh, and we go to just kind of be away from everything for a little bit. And we go to this really, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the place. It's called Hot Springs. Anybody ever been somewhere that has zero cell phone signal? I'm not talking like the, the reception's crappy. I, I mean, literally, your phone says no service, and it just don't find it. Not like There's not like a sweet spot anywhere. Literally, the towers don't make it there. Because it's either up or down in a mountain or in a valley. It, it's up there, y'all. It's, it's yonder. When people talk about yonder, this was yonder. And so, oh, y'all. I'm about to say this. Oh, man, somebody's going to be offended. And not my people because I love y'all and I know y'all. So Jessica and I leave Hot Springs, which is like this Hot Springs resort. I literally soaked in hot mineral water, y'all. It was, yas, right? Like it was good. That was the, that was the stuff. It hit the spot. And... So after we, we are done there, uh, again, there's no cell phone signal, right? So like, what do you do? You, you just live. Y'all remember what life was like before cell phones? It's crazy, y'all. So we're leaving out of there. And so in, uh, in Hot Springs, there are three places to eat. Three places that were open after seven. Let me put that there. There's four places. There's one that's called Hillbilly Market. I'm not being funny, y'all. It's really called Hillbilly Market. And the, the three other places, one closed, that one I think closed at 7. And the ice cream parlor, they have food, like sandwiches. It closed at 7. So beyond 7 o'clock, oh, y'all, there is a brewery and there's a tavern. That's it. So of the two options, I'm going to opt for the brewery, okay? I just am. I've spent my time in taverns. And that don't end well, right? So we're, we're at the brewery. And wait a minute, y'all ready for this? I'm an adult. I had one beer in moderation. <gasps> and I drank it so slow that it got hot that I literally couldn't drink the whole thing because the bottom was nasty because it was hot. Right? Oh, man, I'm saying this, y'all. <sighs> Hate me, sinner, fornicator, right? Like, we live in a society that, that, that says that. And... The awesome part is we're sitting here, and I look around, 
And we notice that the crowd is either one of two things. What I will call and equate to hipster, which is this under 25 crowd, right? And they've got their, their stonewashed jeans, right? They're super tight stonewashed jeans. And they're like, they intentionally don't match, right? Y'all familiar with this? Like, I, I don't even have to keep explaining. Y'all know what we're talking about. And the second crowd, not being to be offensive, was hillbilly, right? This crowd is over 40, right? They've lived there their whole life, and you could tell. They, right, like only in the past five or six years have they probably seen cell phones, and they were like, what is that? Time traveler, right? And as I look around... Normally here in our little environment, because we've, we've been subjected to the world, and when I say the world, I mean literally Satan. Those two crowds, what's going to happen? Y'all, I ain't telling y'all no secret. That's a fight. And then you add alcohol to the mix. That's a fight, right? But the craziest thing happened, y'all. These people didn't come together. They're, it's communal-style seating. People that didn't come together are sitting together over a meal. They've got a maximum drink limit. Because guess what? They're, they're not trying to make money off of you. right? It's about numbers. You'll keep coming back because it's a good experience. It's a good environment. Everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. There's Wi-Fi. <gasps> but guess what? Nobody has their phone. Nobody's even looking at their phone. There were two phones out. One was recording the bluegrass music that was playing. Oh, it was glorious in the background. Right? And the other phone, guess what it was doing? Recording the bluegrass music that was playing in the background. The live band. I'm going to take it one step further for you. It was literally like Utopia, guys. It's a three-piece hillbilly, right, bluegrass band. And they all take turns singing. They all take turns coming to the front and playing. One had like a banjo. One had a ukulele. The other had a guitar. And they take turns. And here we are in our little tight-knit environment. And I will say, I'm not, like, I'm not bragging, but our people don't do this. But if you go into the outside churches, if you leave these walls and go out into some other ones, they sit and they judge. And they would be like, at least we're not like those sinners out at that brewery or that tavern, right? And it starts the judgment seat. What do we just look at? That ain't your, that ain't your place. They had a drink. Jesus drank wine. <gasps> Sinner, he said it. Jesus literally says at one point in time that I'm accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. John the Baptist, he's talking about John the Baptist. He's like, John is, he's straight. That dude don't drink. He don't even eat. He's, he's grasshoppers. He's weird, right? He's locust. Locust and honey, that's the guy's diet. And he wears burlap. Burlap is only for mourning. That's Jesus talking about his cousin, John the Baptist. He's like, and that dude is living a holy life, and y'all killed him. Here I am. I eat, I drink, I sleep side by side with sinners. What do y'all think about me then? See, Jesus didn't come here to get drunk, right? Jesus came to take us out of that environment. Jesus came to teach us about a thing called moderation. Jesus came to teach us about a good thing called fun. Anybody like to have fun? It's crazy. 
But all too often we get stuck in patterns and rhythms, right? And this, this just trying to be like someone else pattern or trying to people please pattern and we miss out on the best things in life. That's why in this passage Jesus was talking about so much more than just getting mad. Jesus was talking about so much more than murdering. Jesus was talking about so much more than paying back your debts. Jesus was talking about getting your heart straight. He was literally speaking about the sacrifice that He would come and die on a cross so that me and you could have new life. And He hid it in a message talking about killing people. He hid it in a message talking about paying back your debts. And there was so much more going on there, guys. So conclude, I'm going to conclude this really quick. And uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then, you guys remember the breathing, right? Breathe in. One, two, breathe out. One, two, three, four. Y'all remember that? So after I pray for us, we're, we're going to play a song. And I want you guys to sit quietly, eyes closed if you will. If you want to focus on the screen and watch the words, do that. But I want you to, to breathe in and release everything else that you brought here with you today. I want you to breathe out, right? I want you to literally push everything that you brought here, all that baggage, all that hurt, all that sorrow, all that pain, and leave it behind. Someone here is hurting today. If I had to, to guess, it's more than one somebody. But we're so afraid to let other people see us vulnerable that we don't let go of the hurt. Today is your safe place to, to be vulnerable together. Jesus, through the, ser the Sermon on the Mount, is literally reintroducing us to the Ten Commandments. Right? And what he's telling us is it's no longer enough to do what we're told, but now we have to live the way that he lived. So today when you leave here, I want you to right a wrong. I want you to forgive someone who's done you wrong. That might open a chain reaction of, of, of forgiveness and of love and of mercy in this, in this town and in this area. That Who would have thought, right? But guess what? The world changed with 12 people and a rabbi. So 13 people changed the world. We've got enough people to do the same thing. It's got to start today. It's got to start here. It's got to start right now. Life is way too short to hold grudges. More importantly, life is too short. I'm going to say this twice because you've got to grab it. Life is too short to not forgive just as Jesus forgave. Y'all, life is too short to not forgive just as Jesus forgave. I'm going to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we just... We're so thankful for you to send your son to die on our place, God. We're just so thankful for you, Lord, to have created this place that we could have together, Lord, that we could celebrate together, God, that we could worship together, that we could hurt together, that we could be happy together, Lord. And in all things, most importantly, we could be together in community with you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.